for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Keith Parrish, who's a co-host of the Daily Ding Podcast, the Fast Break Breakfast Pod, and the Grits and Grinds Podcast. He covers the Memphis Grizzlies and does it all right here for The Athletic. We'll talk about the Warriors and the Grizzlies tied at one game apiece after the first two games played in Memphis. No more Gary Payton the second for the Warriors. What will happen with Dylan Brooks in a potential suspension? All things we can talk about with Keith Parrish, who joins me next. Today is Friday, May 6th. It's a pleasure to welcome to the Update Podcast, Keith Parrish. He does the Daily Ding Podcast, the Fast Break Podcast. <laughs> Keith, I already I already botched it, man. We joked before we got going that, uh, that I, I didn't have to get all the plugs in and that I was going to mess them up. Fast Break Breakfast Pod and the Grits and Grinds Pod about the Memphis Grizzlies. Good time to have you on talking Memphis Grizzlies and Golden State Warriors, man. How are you? I'm doing good, Adam. Thanks for having me on. You know what's kind of cool uh, about this series, and I was thinking about this, I, it's it's got the elements of like a, a series from my childhood where I'm all for like the sort of rough and tumble, aggressive, bodies flying, hitting the floor type of basketball that we're getting so far in this series. Steve Kerr, of course, said he thought that it crossed the line a little bit on Tuesday night, but, but what's your take on the series so far? Has it played out through two games kind of the way you thought? In some sense, it has in the fact that I thought it actually was going to be a very close series. I know that wasn't the national consensus. Maybe it's Mike Grizzly's perspective that I was optimistic. I thought it would be a really fun and tight series as far as the way the actual results have occurred, like the stats, a lot of them are kind of flip-flopped, where the Grizzlies have shot better from three, the Warriors have been crushing the offensive glass, they've been crushing the second chance points. That's totally reversed from what we expected. And then as far as like the collisions and the extracurricular and the flagrant twos, I don't think I thought that. And I think it's just been a bad outcome, a byproduct of just competitive nature. I don't think Draymond did anything necessarily out of line in his game one flagrant two. And I think Dylan definitely crossed a line with his hard foul, but I don't think like the intent was there. I don't think he was trying to hurt Gary Payton too. Just an awful play. Yeah, in a lot of ways it has absolutely lived up to to my expectations. You know what's sort of funny is uh, you just said from your Grizzlies perspective, you didn't know if you were going to get flagrant twos or anything like that. From my Warriors perspective, I probably could have guessed at some point Draymond was going to get tossed from a game for something <laughs> right, that right. was maybe a bit controversial, right? Uh, well, yeah, that part's funny too. I don't know if we're overly sensitive as fans when we hear Steve Kerr say things like, hey, he, he broke the code, he crossed the line. I know a Grizzlies perspective, you're just staring at Kerr like, Bro, you have Draymond. Yeah. Like, you, you had Draymond for 10 years. Like, I guess if anyone is an expert on the code, it would be the guy coaching Draymond and even Zaza Pachulia. Like, yeah, I'm not defending Dylan Brooks' play. Like, it made me sick to see, the you know, in the moment. I think it's a huge factor not having Dylan Brooks from the Grizzlies' perspective. And we wish Gary Payton to a speedy recovery. But, yeah, I wish we could honestly, you know, I wish it wasn't a factor that we had to figure out, like, is Draymond's foul, was that a 1.5 flagrant? Or was it all the way to a 2? And then this Dylan one clearly a 2. And now we wait for what the league decides going forward. Yeah, Draymond might have had like a flagrant one with the first hand and then a flagrant two with the second hand. So he might have committed yeah, it two was flagrants something. on the play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> something had to be called, and uh, and so here we are. The other element to that is because Dylan gets ejected in game two and Draymond gets tossed in game one, I think both teams now look at this series and probably feel like they should each be up 2 nothing. Yeah, that's the wild part. I think Warriors fans look at the Grizzlies shooting and they look at what John Morant has done and they're thinking, it's wild. Like, we missed all of our three-pointers in game two. We should definitely be winning this series. 
But then again, it, the mirror image of, of this matchup has been the Grizzlies are, are saying, man, we won a game where we shot 39% from the field. Like we were ahead in the last two minutes of both of these games, despite the fact we're getting destroyed at our strengths, which are offensive rebounding and second chance points. So I just think it's a great matchup. Definitely both fan bases could be, you know, it's both games were a coin flip. And with the Warriors taking game one, Grizzlies were stuck with, hey, we're in another coin flip where basically our season's over. Probably if we go down 0-2, but whatever. It comes up Grizzlies in game two, and now we're probably going to have a long series. What have you thought of the way they've defended Steph Curry? Because I, I think they've done a really nice job through the first couple of games. I know he still had 24 points game one on 20 shots, 27 points in game two on, uh, what did he take, 25 shots to get 27 points. They're throwing bigger bodies at him. They're switching on screens. They're doing basically everything they can to make sure John Morant is not the guy on Steph Curry. And it's worked out to this point. I think they've done a nice job defensively. Yeah, I think especially they made a few adjustments for game two that paid huge dividends. There were some a lot of concerns after the first game that the starting unit was Xavier Tillman. Like, maybe he wasn't navigating the screens right. They were giving away a lot of easy looks. But, like, it seemed like they cleaned that up a lot. They're very hyper-aware of who the shooters are. And, obviously, with the Warriors having to play Draymond, you know, he's, he's such a huge catalyst for the team. But, like, the Grizzlies are not ever accidentally rushing out to him. They're knowing that they're identifying where the shooters are. I thought they did a really nice job. Although in the fourth quarter, I'll be real, I thought you guys had us after Steph Banks in that three-pointer. And then on one of the, I, I think it's the next possession or two possessions later, there, there's a pick and roll action where uh, John Morant and Zaire Williams are, are guarding the pick and roll and they both leave Steph. And, and Steph it's just like, flared out for a three-pointer. Yeah, right, right. yeah, and that's one of those things where we're missing Dylan Brooks. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s fouled out. We're playing not our typical closing lineup. And I was like, all right, they're going to get lost too many times. But they didn't. You know, then after those two threes, the Grizzlies kept playing really, really nice defense. And the Warriors did have some nice looks, but a lot of it, I think, is calculated. It's let Wiggins shoot. You know, like, we have to pick our poison. Jordan Poole totally obliterated the Grizzlies in game one, and I thought they defended him even better uh, in game two. And Steph, he's scoring, but like he said, it's a lot of shots. And then Clay's been off outside of the game winner, unfortunately, in game one. But, like, I, I do think the Grizzlies, from game one to game two, I saw a lot of market improvements as far as you know, guarding the three-point line, sure, the Warriors aren't going to shoot whatever it was, 18% from three, again, probably, but I do think the Grizzlies' defense better was good enough. The other cool thing about, about playing a, a seven-game series is what you're talking about here, where Steph, or excuse me, uh, Clay Thompson has had a, a rough start to the series uh, with his efficiency. He's not shot the ball well. Did have a big three-pointer at the end of game one that helped him win that one, but overall has not been shooting the ball great. Desmond Bain is the other guy I look at where I go, if this guy gets it going, if he starts cooking again, he's a nice player. I've really liked following him this season. Just five points in game two. Is that a point of, uh, of emphasis, you think, for the Grizzlies right now that Bain has not been successful and yet they're still tied one-to-one? Well, that's another thing. If Grizzlies fans are saying, hey, we could be up 2-0, you have to circle that Desmond Bain's not okay. Like, he's physically extremely limited. Going back to the Timberwolves series, he's been having this back trouble, and he's receiving treatment in all the timeouts. He's not playing his normal minutes. And you can just see it. In the first round, he averaged 24 points per game. He was making four and a half threes per game. Like, the guy was, it was unbelievable. The big reason the Grizzlies defeated the Timberwolves. And now in this series, he's just he's barely moving out there. He's really laboring. He can't score. Luckily, he still gets the respect of the defense where they are guarding him. But I think if Bain can heal up, Grizzlies fans were feeling very, very optimistic. I think one of the things the Warriors are going to need to do, though, is, and I think it was a huge mistake in game two, you have to recognize Desmond Bain's hurt, 
You have to recognize, like, Zaire Williams and DeAnthony Melton are on the court together. Why in the world are you guys going straight up on John Morant? Why are you letting John Morant shoot 31 times a game when you have these other guys on the court who were laboring and or not the guys Grizzlies fans want to have the ball in the hands? So, like, that's going to be a thing. If Bain looks like himself in game three, you know, I think the Grizzlies have a great chance of winning. If Bain is still this slow, this struggling to shoot, I do think the Warriors are probably going to adjust and start trapping Jaw a lot more. Just you got to get the ball out of his hands and be like, hey, listen, if Zaire makes four more three-point Okay, if Melton can attack off, you know, these attacks, if we close out on Ja, then that's a way to lose. But I don't think you want to lose again with Ja Morant scoring the final 15 points of a basketball game. Yeah, you kind of live with it if somebody else beats you. And we've seen teams do that to Steph Curry for years. They go, yeah, we'll force Draymond to shoot, even Klay Thompson at times, or as you pointed out, Andrew Wiggins. Just don't let Steph Curry, you know, like we said, 27 points on 25 shots. You're like, okay, that's inefficient. I can live with that. What you want to avoid is the 45-point game, which John Moran had 47 in game two. Five of 12 from three-point range, 12 of 13 from the free-throw line, and almost had a, had a triple-double. I imagine uh, Jaws is a uh, pretty bulletproof guy when it comes to uh, the city of Memphis and, and the way they view basketball what are the thoughts on him and and his his three-point shooting he's not a great shooter he's obviously a rim attacker he had a really nice game from beyond the arc I thought in game two knocked down a couple of huge three-pointers we mentioned five of 12 uh, I had a buddy texting me during the game going ah John Morant let him shoot those his shots broken and I'm like well at some point you're just gonna have to put a hand in his face and even that might not stop him uh, whether it's in the paint or beyond the arc what are your thoughts on uh, on the performance in game two and how is he viewed as a shooter do people sort of uh, tighten up or grit their teeth a little bit because I know he wasn't playing his best basketball entering uh, this series. You know, it's one of those questions where you recognize that the Warriors are daring him to shoot. They're leaving him wide open. And I think most Christmas fans are, are down with him just letting those fly. You look at the attempt numbers and you get a little bit worried about it. I think 12 of the Grizzlies' first 19 field goal attempts in this game were, were three-pointers. So, like, how much of that are the Grizzlies playing into the Warriors' hands? But also, if Jaws making five or four and even if you want to go back to the, the play-in game last year against the Warriors, he knocked down three-pointers against the Warriors in that game. Like, postseason John Morant has actually averaged uh, two three-pointers made per game, which is plenty, and, and his percentage is fine. So I think striking the balance of just not being complacent and having the whole team letting the, these three-pointers just just keep launching them, I think you do still want to make sure you're still attacking, you're still getting inside the paint, you're still finishing on the two-pointers, you're forcing the Warriors to stop you inside. You're maybe getting the Warriors in foul trouble. Those long misses on three-pointers also don't let the Grizzlies get their defense set. So, like, there is a trade-off, but that this is one where I don't know the exact right balance. If the Warriors are going to sag way off of John Morant and say, listen, you can shoot 12, and we think it's more likely you're going to make two or three as opposed to four or five. But as far as, like, the bulletproofness of John Morant, yeah, I think most Grizzlies fans... <laughs> it, it is weird because, like... We are accustomed to the, the, the grit and grind era. Right, right. Where it's like, hey, listen, we're in the mud. We score 89 and we win. So some part of that is still in Grizzlies fans' DNA. We're definitely on social media. I see a lot of like, guys, stop shooting three-pointers. And it's like, I think that's just part of it where maybe it's just from our, our, our Zach Randolph days. But you watch the game and you're like, well, listen, three-pointers are worth more than two. And these are all wide open. I think you might have to keep firing him, but I don't know. That's I guess that's for the coaching staff to figure out if that balance is eventually going to get off.
my only response to those fans is it's 2022. You got to shoot threes in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. like, you you got to do it. There's no, I mean, you can't trade twos for threes. And, and I think people have talked about that even with like the Phoenix Suns. They're a team that, that will trade twos for threes, but they shoot the two so efficiently that sometimes they can suppress you defensively and then come back and, uh, and beat you uh, in the, the mid range game. One thought from you on, uh, on how this thing plays out, uh, it, you know, coming in, I think a lot of people, uh, you said nationally, people were saying, you know, this this might be a, a warrior runaway after we saw uh, what they did to, uh, to Nikola Jokic. I look at the Grizzlies and I go, they were the youngest team to make the NBA playoffs last year since the Kevin Durant, uh, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Oklahoma City Thunder team went to the NBA finals. They don't look like a young team to me. They don't look like they don't know that they shouldn't be doing this. Basketball is a veteran's game. It's an old man's game. Young teams don't go on deep playoff runs or win NBA titles. What do you make of how this series plays out? It really is sort of the young guard with the, the Memphis Grizzlies and an established team of, of Hall of Famers and uh, dynastic champions in the Golden State Warriors. I think it's going to be a long series. Like I said, I mean, coming in, I thought it was going to be six or seven games. I was leaning Warriors. I thought the Warriors were going to take them. I think I was maybe overly influenced by the first round of the playoffs where the Grizzlies clearly had a lot of issues against the Timberwolves. And then the Warriors just seemed so comfortable dismantling the Nuggets, but like before the playoffs started on Fast Break Breakfast, I mean, I picked the, the Grizzlies. Maybe I'm just a homer, but I thought the Grizzlies, I thought the matchup just made more sense for the Grizzlies. The Warriors don't have the exact perfect player to try to keep John Morant out of the lane. They don't have rim protectors. That's what the Grizzlies do best. They're not an excellent rebounding team. That's what the Grizzlies do best. I know it hasn't played out that way in the first two matchups. It's been a, a little bit squirrely, but I thought specifically this matchup of you call it the old guard. They have the playoff experience. They might have the better overall player in Steph Curry and even like Draymond Green, but we have athleticism and we have just like a ability to guard. Like people don't think of the Grizzlies as a good defensive team. They were a great defensive team all year. They finished top five in defense. They're also a pretty good offensive team. They're shortcomings was always going to be in the half court. And so then you, you think about the playoffs. Does the game slow down? Well, I think the Warriors, again, go back to that matchup. They love turning the basketball over and they love turning the basketball over in the playoffs. This is a thing they've done. And that plays perfectly into the Grizzlies hands. So because of that reason, and after now watching these first two games, I am thinking, all right, caveat, if Dylan's suspended for two games, that swings things. If Desmond Bain's not healthy at all, that swings things. But if, you know, maybe one game for Dylan, Desmond looks like himself. I think, yeah, six or seven games, it could go either way. Well, and what you're talking about, not having a, a, a true defender to sort of lock down John Morant, Gary Payton was maybe the best option yeah. they had, and now he's going to be done for the year. So that's something that plays into this as well. Going to be an uphill battle probably for both teams. And as we said, they both probably feel like they should be 2-0. and All right, we'll check you out on the Grits and Grinds podcast, the Fast Break Breakfast Pod, and the Daily Ding Podcast right here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Keith, a lot of fun, man. Great uh, great talking to you, great meeting you. And uh, we'll catch up again talking more Warriors and, uh, and Memphis sometime down the road. Sounds great. I appreciate it. Uh, great stuff from Keith Parrish. Make sure you're reading him and following him as you uh, you work your way through the rest of this Western Conference semifinal between the Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. By the way, we did find out after the interview that Dylan Brooks suspended for one game, maybe a little bit light, thought it probably should have been a two-game suspension. Maybe he got credit for time served for basically missing all of Game 2. So no Dylan Brooks for Memphis in Game 2. Also, Draymond Green fined $25,000 for his actions at leaving the floor and flying the bird at the Memphis Grizzlies fans. Some other injury updates. Gary Payton II does have uh, some ligament damage in that broken elbow. He's going to be reevaluated in about three weeks, and he is not officially ruled out for the NBA Finals if the Warriors should make it that far. Also, they are going to be without Andre Iguodala for at least the rest of this series. He'll be reevaluated in about a week as well for the, uh, the disc problem he's got going on in his back.
Thank you to Keith Parrish. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. On Monday, into a little minor league baseball with Melissa Lockard, who covers the minors for The Athletic. A good time to talk to her as the Giants are still trying to tread water before they get healthy again. Who are some of these names and faces that could help the Giants later this season? That's all coming up on Monday. Until then, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Game 2. Enjoy Buster Posey Day on Saturday at Oracle Park. We'll talk to you Monday.